Hello and welcome back to the Super Show podcast. I'm Jonesy and today Jamie is joining me in the hot seat for a chat about gaming, Jamie. <laughs> With any luck, maybe a little bit of other bullshit along the way, but we'll get there eventually. Yes, well, yeah, we might meander a little bit. Um, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Just, just a touch. Uh, we are a podcast, a gaming podcast primarily, but we're available um, on podcasting platforms of your choice, like Spotify, 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 Spotify. Spotify <laughs> iTunes, and Google Podcasts. And we're also um, on internet radio, Jamie, aren't we? Because mm. we're on uh, we're on paisleyradio.com Thursdays at 10 p.m. So if you'd like to, um, you know, imagine that we're more legitimate than we really are, maybe uh, go over to that website, tune in Thursday, 10 p.m. Hell yeah. Got a- a weekly slot. Uh, unfortunately, Chris is not with us again. He is on the mend. He's feeling better, but he's not quite up to uh, uh, coming back yet. So hopefully we keep our fingers crossed that he will be here next week. Yes. But, Jamie, before we uh, delve into some sort of things that we should, I've got a, an interesting story for you. Do you to now? To talk about first. Okay. I do. It's gaming adjacent, so it's not that bad. Yes, it's uh, it's I, close by. You know what? I think this is better than gaming adjacent. I think you're doing yourself a disservice there. <laughs> okay, fair enough. What's, um, what, what's this... closer than adjacent? On, like on top. This is gaming on. This is gaming this on. This is gaming net. I don't know. This is prox proximity to gaming meter is off the charts. Yeah, something like that. It's close and it's, it's very very close. Um, and that is because this is the news that uh, Joel and Ellie have been cast for the upcoming HBO The Last of Us TV series. So we found out um, who, I think it was yesterday, I think the news came out, we're recording this on Thursday, um, that the the two roles have been cast now. And first up, so Joel is going to be played by Pedro Pascal. Um, And you probably would have seen him in Game of Thrones, Narcos, Wonder Woman 1984, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, or maybe The Great Wall. He's a... He's around a lot. He's one of those actors that you, definitely gets about, isn't he? In fact, you probably missed the thing that most people have seen him in. Go on. The Mandalorian. Of course. Well, not seen him. Well, I think he uh, takes his helmet off eventually. I get, that, I, I've true. been given the impression from a show that I haven't seen that he does eventually take the helmet off. Yeah, how, how could I miss out The Mandalorian? But yeah. Because <laughs> you don't fucking um... like it. That's why you missed out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's been cast as Joel... Um and Ellie is going to be played by Bella Ramsey. Um, I tried to find a few things that she's been in, and the only one that I recognised her from was Game of Thrones. But she is in Judy, apparently, which is is it the Judy Garland film? Is it was Judy that the Garland? one with Renee Zellweger? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe she I, plays I, the kid. Never, or something. never saw it, but uh, for all intents and purposes, yeah, a young actor who doesn't not look like Ellie. I guess if we were to go down that route to start with. You're pulling faces. You're pulling faces. <laughs> I want to agree with you, but I want to agree with you without being too mean. You can't. G- we, uh, we we clarified before we started recording. She's seventeen, so you can't be like full throttle mean, but you can be more mean than you would have been if she was like twelve. Starting thing, she looks twelve, which is weird because obviously this is going to be set between uh, the Last of Us Part One and have, Last of Us Part Two. Do we know two. that for sure that it's going to be set between them? Have they said that? Well, it has to be. I th- I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up uh, retelling events from the first game in some portion. Okay, interesting. I assumed it would be uh, in those inter interceding years because, of course, in the first one they That's also meet, possible. so it it can't be before that one. <laughs> the second one, <laughs> there's not a lot of Joel. 
after that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's true. gotta be. Oh god, I, I read somewhere. a great joke about um, how it's a good like the, the Mandalorian on like maybe he should get used to not taking his helmet off because it might come in handy if anyone starts swinging golf clubs. <laughs> oh wow, Jesus Christ! Oh, imagine if they actually did a series that went from. Like the like from the start of the first one all the way up to the end hey, of the second one. Like be... if if it becomes popular and enough people now, don't get me wrong. Like HBO have done limited series. Of course, there was Watchmen, which was well received and was popular. But I think the creator came out and said, "Hey, this is a one and done season." And HBO effectively had to pivot and say that uh, Watchmen was going to be an anthology thing. And if that if it did come back, it would be a new showrunner and a new cast and a new story from the Watchmen universe. Right. But there's, I mean, they could theoretically continue going with this for multiple seasons until they have to start retracing their steps on The Last of Us 2 front, which would be fascinating. Fascinating. It would. Who? I just thought of who would be a good person to play Abby. Oh, God. So, okay, so you need someone buff. Um, oh, yeah, go for it. Ronda Rousey. <laughs> Get Ronda in there. I would love that. I would love that so much. I would love Ronda Rousey to be cast as Abby. I could see it. I could see her being Ronda's Abby. just Ronda's big WWE arms. Like <laughs> she would, you'd buy it, wouldn't you? You'd bloody believe it if she I mean, started smacking fools. I would. I feel like by the time they get there, like I think Ronda's a bit too old. Is what I was going to say. Like I, I don't think people right. necessarily think of Abby as a young character. God, we're just talking about The Last of Us 2 now. I don't think people think of her as a young character, per se. But I think so much of her story is about her relationship with her dad and watching her grow up. And for me, like there wasn't that big a jump between the Abby we saw in flashbacks and the Abby we saw doing some of the nasty shit she got up to. So I'd probably go younger, but... Maybe I'm I want to say it's supposed to be like seven years. Is it about that? And she's a, and you're right. She's a teenage girl in the um, yeah. in the flashback. So I, I think you're right. I think I think uh, Rousey might be a little bit on the um, might be. the old side. Do you know what they they could just get one of those CrossFit twenty year olds who um, definitely aren't on steroids to be to come and be in the uh, to play the role? Can you? Yeah. Super super buff. True. Super buff girl. Although you know we're, we're joking about the casting of Abby. Like one thing that this does do is this suggests that. Like obviously, you're, if you're casting Joel and Ellie, you're 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 really you're making a TV series that we presume is going to be as much about those two as is about the world, and it's going to be interesting to see who they cast as other roles because there are other significant characters that branch between the the two games and um, like right. Tom, Tommy's an interesting one that comes to mind. Joel's brother plays a fairly big role in both games. Be interesting to see like if that's another high profile casting, and who else they get on board for this bad boy. Yes, yeah. no, it definitely will be interesting to see. I, I can imagine that if it can go, it could go the dark way of just going down the toilet <laughs> as it goes on, and they start to hire tight, hire really dodgy people to play the characters, and it starts to get weirder and weirder. And you're like, this mm. is not the Last of Us anymore. This has gone a really strange sort of path. But hey, let, let's get into some dicey territory. Yes, because, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> because whenever we talk about adaptations or we talk about sequels or anything like that, when it comes to film, TV anything it does get um it sort of gets everyone kicking off online because it's who gets cast for it whether people like them or not um and how that all kind of plays out what is your initial reactions to pedro pascal playing joel you thinking good casting um my, my first reaction to it is that i think it's a solid casting and i'm glad that we have our feet beneath us on this project so to speak and that we can move on 
do I have some like initial concerns uh, going into it? Yeah, somewhat. One concern that I have around both of these actors, Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal, for example, is that neither of them are American. And so then you get the obvious question of like, okay, accents can be a bit dicey. A, a distracting accent can be enough to take you out of a movie or a TV show. Maybe it's a bit unfair at this uh, stage in the process to start looking too deep into that, but that's something that you could flag. But otherwise, like, I think he... I think he could do a fine job as Joel. I just wish I'd seen him in more stuff. I haven't seen The Mandalorian. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I didn't watch Wonder Woman or Kingsman or any of those films. So Pedro Pascal was one of these things where I saw the casting and thought, I know that man, but I've never seen him work before. Uh, same right. with Bella Ramsey. And so at the moment, it's just kind of optimism that between HBO and between you know Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann and all the other people involved, that, like they make a good show. Um I, I will. I will say I'm not worried by the casting. I guess is a is is. A, is I was. I, I mean, at first, because he's he's like got quite a distinctive face. Like he looks. He does. Yeah. You know, he he looks like. I mean, it's stupid to say he looks like himself, but some people kind of have this more. Um, uh, I don't want to say more generic face where they can effectively look, um, like lots of different people. But he mm. definitely is someone for me that has a specific look about him. But I think once you chuck on a big meaty beard, yeah. Um, Especially like later, Joel. I do think he'll look pretty good as um as Joel. One thing I think on my my immediate reaction was yeah the accents. How the accents going to go down? Some actors nail it, and two people come to mind. I think one that you mentioned to me before the pod, which is um uh from um Stranger Things, the English uh, girl, Millie, Millie Bobby Brown. Yes, who, who is yeah another young English actress who can do an uncanny American accent when she wants to. And the other one for me was Andrew Lincoln, who was obviously the English actor right. who went into play um, in Walking Dead, plays Rick, is it? Yes. Is it Rick? And I think probably most Walking Dead fans for a while didn't even know he was English because they wouldn't have seen Love Actually like 50 times like we have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So then I think maybe, yeah, that, that the accent stuff is kind of cut. It's probably going to be fine. So, um, yeah, it could be interesting casting. I, I found the Ellie Bella Ramsey, I do think she looks a bit too young. Um, and she doesn't look. This was interesting because can I tell people that before we started recording, <laughs> you were looking Go at on. pictures of her, and I think you got the impression that she was how old would you say, like eleven, ten, eleven? Uh, yeah, like eleven, twelve, maybe, like pretty, pretty young. When she is actually seventeen. Yes, which I don't know how that plays out. Maybe it's just the pictures that we've seen, and she'll look much better. Much she'll fit the role much better. But there's also sort of like. Obviously, when it, when the game originally came out, there was a lot of people saying that um, Ellie was based on um, it was it was based on Ellen Page, wasn't it? They said at the time. I mean, so I, I I might have this wrong, but my understanding was that there was some very early concept art um, for Ellie that looked ridiculously like uh, the person who was at the time known as Ellen Page. I don't know how you. That's a delicate one. I'm trying to. Now Elliot Page, my, I should say, but now at the time Page, yeah. it was it was um, it was um yeah, my, people my, said my that. understanding was that she actually got angry about it because this was in the run up to her appearing in the video game uh, Beyond Two Souls with Willem Dafoe. Yes. And she basically I think she did I think it might have been, even been a Reddit AMA uh or a tw- or something like that. Someone asked her like how do you feel about uh the fact that that Ellie from The Last of Us looks like you and she said actually I'm a bit pissed off about it. Uh, because I'm I'm in this other game and I don't want people to get confused. And I'm pretty sure the next time we saw Ellie, be it in like a trailer or more art, her face had changed. And like you can look up like a Last of Us Ellie before and after, and she gets 
DL and pagified over the course of time. That was how I, I remember but, it, at least. But then what's weird is because in my memory, that was what Ellie's supposed to look like. And so I right. think and people even said at the time, like, obviously, you know, if there's a film, then it's a foregone conclusion, basically, who's going to play um, Ellie. Obviously, well, it's not going to happen anymore, not least because Elliot Page is much older, but he's also a dude. So that's not going to happen anytime soon, I wouldn't have thought. Exactly. Um, but um, I don't know. I wasn't the, the Bella Ramsey thing, I think it's a little odd. She looks quite young. Hopefully she'll look a bit older. She'll look a bit more Ellie by the time they get to it. And I'm hoping with Pedro Pascal that they can, yeah, fill out that beard a bit. Get rid if they just leave the tash, it's just gonna be <laughs> what would be odd. They've got the, yeah, thing- they've they've got to facial hair it up a bit, surely. Yes, yeah. But then it it got a bit interesting yesterday because um you were telling me that there was some controversy because they'd had actually or, or some websites had kind of semi confirmed that um uh Mahasha Ali was gonna play Joel. Um yes. and a number of people were were not happy continuing the trend of people kicking off because a character is like they say well this person's this that he's black and we don't want to be black we want to be white because joel is and you know getting back to that whole conversation about should character be the same race as a, or sorry shouldn't act to be the same race as a character does it even matter etc 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 yeah this was hap- this um i can't remember who where the original rumor came out of and and who sort of like uh, rejected it but uh, but it all happened fairly quickly and yeah you're right there was a couple of hours before the Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal stuff came out where I think the reporting was at the time that Mahershala Ali was maybe offered the role or was interested in the role and for all intents and purposes I believe that was true but obviously didn't uh, prove to be what ultimately happened um I've got. Do you know what you said? That I've literally just come up with theory. Let me float this for oh, you. Oh God! This here we go. Put on your tin four hats, everyone, and join Jonesy on this merry road. Fucking <laughs> go, go for it! Yeah, do it. Say it. He. I'm going to say that he's a fan, right? He is a gamer. He has played the both Last of Us games. He followed the Fuhrer around the the events of the Last of Us Part Two, and when they mm-hmm. offered him the role, he was like. Oh yeah, that sounds like a cool role. I, I you know, I'd, I'd be into that. But then he was like, "Hold on, I know how insane the backlash was to what happens in Last of Us Two. What are people going to say, do if I accept the role?" And he was like, "Do you know what I'm out?" Maybe, maybe. Because you can't. Because these things don't happen in vacuums, right? And if you must, actors must know. Especially if they look into it and they look into a role, they must like if he even if he wasn't didn't then, play it, if he googled it, he like, always struck me as the kind of dude who would say "fuck it" if I want to do it, I'm doing it though. I don't think he'd care that much, and I think he'd he's maybe stro- I don't know because I feel like he'd think if you get angry about it, then you're proving the point that he feel, felt like he was trying to make in taking the role. I don't then, know if that but, makes sense. This it gets weird because see, I I don't necessarily I'm not always that. Um, sort of wedded to the idea that people need to make points when they cast roles and i think we were talking about it a little bit yeah. before the pod but in my mind you've got joel and ellie as characters who are on in a game they've been creating cgi and they now want to make that move into tv video whatever um and for me it's like then you should keep the characters looking as close to possible as they looked in the game because it's like a visual medium and you want that to transfer across and it's it's a weird thing because I had it from a young age as a kid where you read a book and you imagine someone looking like something. And if you then see an adaptation or a you know, TV show, TV um, or film, yeah. and they look not like what you imagined, it can be a little bit like, oh, that's not what I expected. 
It can be. It definitely can but be. But you also get people where it is ludicrous and it just doesn't matter. And people get so butthurt. Um, immediately comes to my mind is uh, The Little Mermaid, who was made, or I think in the live action version, is a black actress. Mm. Who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. is anyone getting that annoyed but about I, that? I, 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 but then... <sighs> I, I, so like you can call me whatever you want. I didn't care in the few hours where I believed there was a possibility that Mahershala Ali was going to play Joel. I didn't care. Yeah, I didn't. When you told me, I didn't. I didn't care. I did think it was a bad casting decision because see, I was like, see, the, I get, the reason I didn't is firstly because I, I think he's a, a fine actor. Um, I've seen a lot more of his work than I've seen of Pedro Pascal's, and I've enjoyed his work a lot more than I've enjoyed any of Pedro Pascal's. But then that's just. That's probably more, uh, you know, circumstance more than anything else because I don't watch things like The Mandalorian or Game of Thrones because I'm not a TV guy. Um, but but I, I think we were getting somewhat into this before we started recording. For me, one of the interesting things about The Last of Us, when you go back and look at the games, for better or for worse, is then they're, they're games that don't really deal with um, with race at all, you know? No. Um, the, the let's be real like the the majority of the primary cast in both games are, are white they introduce some non-white characters in the last of us part two in fairly major roles you know levin yara come to mind for example um but still like it, it, there's a lot of white people in those games and as such like it's it's a game that never really deals with race it's a game that never really deals with like racial prejudice or racial tension or anything like that um or, the, or even the, 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 where racism is at, for want of a better way of putting it, in their sort of depiction of, a, of, a, of the future. Um, you know, lots of characters from different races interact with one another, and there's never really an undertone of racism. Unless I'm forgetting like major scenes or plot points, I don't think there's ever really an... And so basically... Yeah, no, I think you're right. The, I think the, it's, they, it's more, they almost do a clever thing of not looking at that, but then they divide people up into tribal groups that yes. do have real problems with each other. But they almost explicitly make sure that it is not a racial thing or a gendered thing. It's, you're, you're right. Like it almost, yeah. It's almost explicit, you're right, in the degree to which they avoid that issue. And I think there was one thing that came to my mind when Mahershala Ali's name was circling, which is that if they end up using that as, a, as an, not, an excuse, sounds like a strange word, but like uh, as a means to to shoehorn in racial issues to a to a source material that, in my opinion, made the the for right, rightly or wrongly made the decision to avoid it, then that would be a little bit strange. Uh, then that would be, you know, them changing Joel's character, and what Joel was about, and what Joel stands for, and the world of the Last of Us too, for the sake of, you know, whatever you want to call it, like maybe a political message, maybe. Uh, whatever, like whatever it would, be. but in terms of Joel as a character, because Joel is so much about his, like his history in terms of his his uh, his life prior to the pandemic, his relationship with Sarah, um, and some of the scenes we see in the sort of the prologue to the first film, um, and the emotional journey he goes through with Ellie, like th th there's nothing about Joel's character that required him to be white for me, like. There's nothing no. about the journey he goes on, the relationships he uh, he makes along the way, the decisions he makes along the way. There's nothing about the story of The Last of Us, if you were directly adapting it, that required Joel to be white. And that's why I wasn't, wasn't bothered. I was like, this is just a good actor playing a good character. I think it was one of those roles where you might be, I, I think I probably would have said, like, had I not known, let's say, and I turned on episode one, I think I probably would have said, oh, that's an interesting casting decision. And after about five minutes would have forgotten. <laughs> and then would have been like, 
if he was if he nailed the role and then be like oh this is yeah this is really yeah. good yeah. like it's it's usually a very brief thing when you say oh that's interesting why they've decided to go in a certain direction because then you you know it's because often you think about oh i wonder why they chose a certain actor what's funny about him is i can imagine him playing that role because it is like a quiet considered like there's gravitas to it and that's a role that i think Mahasha Ali would probably nail because he's got all of those elements yeah what's interesting to me about the role is Pedro Pascal less so for me on that front everything I've seen him in like Game of Thrones um uh and, a, and a, I've seen I have seen like so I've seen Kingsman I've seen the Great Wall he seems to be a much more loud brash energetic kind of actor but maybe that's just the roles he's been cast in so it is funny because I I can't quite imagine how he will do right being that quiet considered um like you know strong stoic father figure yeah which it's, is it's which, which, which is which is ironically like with a lot with with all none of the sort of like aggression that joel occasionally brings to the games but mahershala ali played a, a sort of a father figure uh in uh, in moonlight and like again under very different circumstances under which <laughs> the last of us takes place but it was like the dude's unreal um the dude's uh, very very talented um and my like, been maybe it's like not i don't know but maybe it was below him in some sense maybe he saw, he saw it and considered it the dude did, said, he, he was an elite battle angel was he yeah he was I we were just talking about that who was he in that i can't even think who he I, was. I, I haven't seen the film i just know he was in it and i know he looked, oh he, I know he, he looks was. a little bit like morpheus in it because i think he wears like sunglasses and stuff like that I know who he was. He was the yeah, yeah. He was like the um, the head crime boss guy who was the uh, who was the one who was trying to get hold uh, get Alita, and he he, he got plays taken Vector, over by an influential entrepreneur at the factory with Vector, criminal connections it. who also serves as Nova's proxy. That was it. Nova, yeah. No, uh, Edward Norton's plays Nova, and then Nova kind of takes him over and and talks to him and says, "You're going to do this. You're going to do that." So he was kind of his on the ground lackey, if you like. So uh, yeah, I do remember him actually. Now you say it. There you go. Um, I don't, yeah, because the, the the thing you need to, the place you need to end up with with Joel, and it's like spoilers for the end of The Last of Us, is we need to be in that car driving away from the hospital uh, that the Fireflies operated, knowing that we've just seen this man slaughter waves of people, including the surgeons who had the capabilities to potentially find a cure for the virus that is, threatens all of mankind we need to know that the man we're looking at has just killed those surgeons is now driving away from the scene of the crime and is going to lie to the person in question to his daughter figure about what he's just done for the sake of maintaining their relationship for another however many years until the last of us two when everything goes tits up and in spite of all of that we still need to look at him and understand why he did it, what like what he's doing, why he did it, and kind of weirdly agree with him, and not think yes. of him as the bad guy. And no, like we do. whoever's capable of that, bring him on. Petra Pascal, Mahershala Ali, you know, don't give a shit. Bring him on. You mean putting to one side the fact that Joel absolutely made the right decision? Yeah. You mean that putting that to one side for now? <laughs> You're gone. Oh god, I can't wait for that discussion to come back again. Um, Hey, let, let's let's Joel take made, for Joel, if, made if COVID, Joel made an incredibly a- selfish decision, and I think if you if you were, had been anywhere else for the previous however many hours that that game lasts, and you were told about that story in isolation about a man 
whose journey it was to bring a 14-year-old girl across the United States of America to hospital because she would where she her life would be sacrificed in the name of finding a cure for the virus that was threatening all of mankind and he got her all the way there changed his mind got angry killed everyone including the surgeons capable of doing the operation ran away with her and lied to her about everything he'd done you'd think that guy sounds like a bit of a dickhead well, no you are oh, okay yes, no let's would. not let's not get into because this. you wouldn't have you know seen what? anything that they've look, been through you you wouldn't know about back. sarah you wouldn't know about their journey if you were told about that story in isolation you'd think that guy's a piece of shit because he's you, killed millions of people for the sake of a relationship that with that's built on false pretenses to begin with nowadays you would look back on that if someone played that game now they would look back and say of course he wouldn't have just sacrificed her life because we know absolutely based on based based on covid that as soon as you think you've cured something it mutates and it just changes and then it's worse and and the cure would do nothing anyway so if anything joel was ahead of his time and knew what he was doing look i'll have you know that some some vaccines do provide somewhat effective protection against some variants and that some people are already tweaking their vaccines for another rollout in autumn. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, you heard it here. You heard it here first. Jamie is happy to kill kids as long as it means that you can get somewhat of a protection against maybe. Would, a virus. would I kill? Okay, it, it, I'm not saying it's possible, but if you could put numbers on it, if you asked me if I'd save a million life, if I'd kill one 14 year old girl to save a million more people, yeah. Pote- nah, see, this is the problem. You've gone. You've you've gone to absolutes, mate. You're like a Sith. You don't know that it would have worked. You don't know that the cure would have that, worked. That's why I'm saying I know we can't put numbers on it, but if we could. It's also not even millions, because you've got millions of people I'm making turned. numbers out of my... I'm pulling numbers out of my ass. your ass. Yeah, yeah I, know, I, know, I know. Yeah, but, but I, I don't know. All, this is what people do to justify terrible actions. They, they use ludicrous... Justify terrible actions. We're talking about not... We're talking about not blaming a guy who just slaughtered people with his own hands. He only did it because that he didn't know they were going to kill Ellie, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we have to kill her." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh great, yeah, I'm a, I, I well, I, I agreed to smuggle her across the country because I'm a fucking because I spent the last decade being a criminal who smuggles things, so that was my job." That's not the same. Oh, I killed thousands of people to get this girl here. Now I'm going to kill tens more to get her out of here because she can't nah. die. All those other people, they can die. All those other people that were probably husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters. I'll kill all of them. But this one girl who kind of reminds me of my daughter, I think I'm going to keep her. It's what we do every day, isn't it? It's what people do in the yeah. uh, in real life every I'll t- day. I'll teach her a song on my guitar and everything will blow over. <laughs> It's, just, it's to be fair it's the same problem in the second one where ellie kills like so many people and then you're supposed to feel an emotional like a thing yeah. when she comes to kill some other random and you're like i've just slaughtered 12 people to get yeah. into this one kind of kill like- a lot of people to get here you should probably do what you came here for no yeah. not gonna okay <laughs> anyway uh there sorry you go. sorry um, for anyone that hadn't finished either <laughs> the last of us part one or part two but uh yeah. But hey, we need to we need to move on. So, but first of all, um, I have to say thank you to some very special people. Uh, they are the ones who keep the lights on, keep us coming back week after week to make more podcasts. They are our patrons uh, over at Patreon.com. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to some of them right now. They are Aim, Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Hacksaw Book Reed, Jesper Camdar Nielsen, Javela Cujo, Leo Merger, Lonnie Thompson. Matt Towie, Magic Grits, Mindful Pig, Nathan Piers, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen, Sean Kennedy, Starfall Kid, Zach Cream, and the Big Dogs, it's Severed Limbs, Manuel Guerrero, Peaswad, and The Dude Abides. 
you are all amazing people and you get us uh you you make it possible that we can come back and have really important conversations like we just had so thank you very much um <laughs> i don't think that clar- classic clarifies classifies as really important but there we go uh i've got a comment of the week for you jamie would you like to hear it i do want to hear it so this one comes from profound chair uh and profound chair says all stars was such a huge dud i had low expectations of it and it didn't even meet them the whole game feels floaty and light it needs some work for sure that's pretty damning that's pretty damning have you played any more of this game in the last week no i haven't but my favorite bit of this comment was definitely it was a huge dud i had low expectations and it didn't even meet them because it's like if you had high expectations it didn't meet them that's better obviously but no this is this is pretty damning but i feel like it's kind of fair have you played any more of it I, I've played it, uh, I think, exactly once uh, since last week's podcast. And I have yet to delete it, so there's room for more playing to occur. Um, I'm not quite... I, must, I did the same it. thing. I came. I was going to delete it, and then I sort of, and then I thought, I actually would quite like to hop in with a few other people, so it's like four people playing sure. all at once and see if we have a better time with it. But Yeah. yeah. And maybe I'm, uh, that's why I feel like I, I don't feel quite as down on it. Um, Certainly, as as the as this comment, uh, I I just feel like uh, I uh, with regards to the game feeling floating, like I didn't really get feel that way. To like, I thought the vehicle handling was fine, and I thought the 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 impacts when you actually hit other people um, were like were solid enough. Like I think the components of the game and how it feels as a destruction derby style um, title were solid. Um, I, but the, the if you want to talk about the game feeling like in terms of sort of like content and reasons to go back to it and reasons to keep queuing up and playing matches, then yeah, that's when I start to agree. The, the I kept, I kind of came away from this game thinking I almost felt sorry for the developers because they had this idea they didn't do much wrong, but they mm. didn't do enough right. Does that make Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. You, it's, it's almost like. Um... If you strive for mediocrity, then don't be too surprised when everyone thinks it's a bit meh. Like, you've, right. you, you can't just make things okay. You've got to make things really good, especially in this day and age where you can get games for free and there's, you know, uh, like on the PlayStation Plus uh, or um, Xbox Game Pass, there's always a new game to play, whether it's for free, whether it's a free download game. You you are really battling uphill, I think, to keep people playing a game. Yes. Um, and you can't just be good in some areas and like lacking in others i think you really need to nail it in order to keep people coming back right and I, especially and i don't think they did no especially like I, I there's a fascinating thing around free games isn't there where i think some people think a game being free is such a huge head start because you can get millions of people in through the door and and not you know games that uh, charge uh, full price or any price for that matter will always struggle in that metric and that's true but I think free games are also held to kind of these very different standards. And I remember um, hearing someone talk about this when it, with regards to being on services like Xbox Game Pass, as an example, which is that when people are going into a title that they know they didn't pay for, they have mm. this sort of different relative, they have a different amount of their time they're willing to give the product for it to grab them. And people cut, set aside more time or are willing to provide more time something they've spent money on because they've invested in it and they're more willing or more it's they're more interested in seeing a sort of a return on investment if you will you spend 70 pounds on a game you go into it 
and the first half an hour you think, ah, this isn't working, you might give it. In fact, you almost definitely will give it another one, two, three hours because you spent that $70 and you think, I need to find what I spent my money on, uh, especially for people who don't take games back or resell them and stuff like that. A free game doesn't grab you. You've lost no money and you're far more likely to just drop it as soon as you need to drop it. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 definitely true. I mean, I've had the exact thing where I've I've gone on to play. Um, is it is it PlayStation Now? I think it is, isn't it? Mm. Where they say it's there are a whole load of games, and I think it was a few years ago where they my PlayStation Four, I think it was, and there was a whole load of games you could play there for completely for free, cloud gaming. Um, and I chopped and changed games so much because I'd play literally half an hour and go, "This is boring." Ne- next game, this is boring. Next game. Um, I think the only game in the end I ended up sticking with and playing all the way through was um, uh, Bioshock Infinite. I think it was the wow. only one I played in its entirety. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. You, you don't have that sort of time and money and and mental investment. It's, it all reminds me of a little bit. Is um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say this. It's like gambling. Is when you have money down and you're invested. Um, people often say, "Oh, you know, you, why do people keep gambling when they've." when they're losing money and it's like because they've already lost money so they have to pay to win it back and they think they can pay to win it back so it's like saying i've put 70 quid into a game um i have to play to win back the investment i've already made yeah and so you have to stick with it for an amount of time that makes you feel comfortable with saying um wow i got my money back because otherwise you'll say oh i've wasted you know i've wasted 70 quid right exactly. which is not a great feeling no it's, it's not a good feeling um uh, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one, and it changes up the dynamic of like what a game has to do. And I, there's a great interview. I, I can't remember where it was now, annoyingly. Otherwise, I'd sort of be a bit more specific. But they're talking about like making games in sort of the modern era, uh, where you need to be aware that your game might be free uh, at some point or another, and how much more important the first hour becomes, like that onboarding process, how quickly people feel like they're understanding the game and having fun with the game is so much more important than it ever was before because like there used to be a time where it didn't matter if like a game took three hours to get started because people had bought the game and they'd give it those three hours. Now you need to get people from the word go and you wonder for All-Stars as a game that transitioned from a $70 launch title in November to a free game for millions of people in February, like did they have enough time to make sure that there was enough there to keep people hooked when they hadn't invested the money up front? I don't know if that was a factor, but I don't know a lot of people who are like crazy for this game. You know, I, I from what I've the seen. idea that that could have cost seventy quid, I know, blows it's, it's, yeah, exactly. my mind. It is fucking crazy. Like, okay, we're we're in a minute. We're going to talk about uh, the uh, you know tangent to this anyway. But um, when you compare C- Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and you talk about that that game was a forty five fifty pound game on on um, uh, PlayStation or console, and actually, well, I guess it was the same on PC. Mm. When you consider how much that game cost, how much is in it, but how many problems it has, obviously, with taking all that on board, you then compare that to Destruction All Stars and say All Stars could have cost an extra um, 25, 30 quid. Like, it, it blows my mind because yeah. it's like a game that you can play, like we've played, we've both played a little bit of and gone, oh, this is kind of dull. And as, um, Profound Chair said, you know, it's it's a game low expectations and it didn't even meet them. And then you can say, and then we can actively criticise a game like Cyberpunk for not being the be-all and end-all that we all hoped it would be. Mm. It gets into a strange sort of position. Well, this is this is the issue I often have with games is I, I do look at different games and say, how are these on par? 
how is this how is this game selling in the same market that this game is selling and they're the same price like these seem so different and that's where i think free games shine and if anything it kind of should make us get excited for um i suppose the brutality of games being free because they have to be good they have to grab you in the first 15 20 minutes otherwise they don't work and like we've seen with this but we should say all stars isn't free all stars we're playing because it was free on the playstation uh playstation plus this month all stars i i might be mistaken but i'm pretty sure you can't buy destruction all stars right now no no but my my thinking was that it would go paid after uh, it might do i'm it might do i don't know can't be 70 quid though I, I, I hope it's not. Surely. I hope it's not. But the 70 quid thing is just that. That's just what happened to PlayStation 5 exclusive games. Like, yeah, that's they, why, that's that's why bracket, Dark Souls yeah. cost that much. That's why. Yeah. I'm trying to think. There weren't that many actual PlayStation but I'm, exclusives. I'm, but, yeah, and in case PS5 people didn't hear. In case people haven't heard us talk about it before, like, I'm, I think it's totally reasonable for them to be 70 quid. I mean, you look at game pricing and, and they should be. They should be 70 quid. It's not um, on the new gen. It's not. Yeah, it's mad. It's madness to think they're going to be fifty quid forever. Doesn't the price any, stays the same for a long time. I will say it did. Yeah, it did. Okay, well let's move on because um, what I really want to know, Jamie, is what you've been playing in this last week. I have been playing a lot of first-person shooters, Jonesy, but uh, <laughs> of very different kinds. Um, I, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Destiny Two, which um, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not going to be able to give the uh, a complete lowdown of all things Destiny, which is probably a good thing. So doubt very many people even want that in this day and age but essentially the uh the beyond light expansion was the thing that came out in november just gone uh yeah, instead of the usual september they delayed it by a couple of months that's the kind of annual big paid expansion and i bought it but it came out obviously sat bang in the middle of november right around the playstation 5 and lots of other new releases and so on and so forth so i bought it and didn't get a chance to play it uh i did however get a chance to dip back into it this week and finally played through the campaign for that expansion. So, you know, three or four months later for the party, I know. And I, I, I thought it was solid. P- pretty unremarkable, largely because I am not particularly in with the lore on Destiny 2. <laughs> right. And so sometimes, like, certain character names and keywords kind of, like, my eyes glaze over a little bit. I feel like... <laughs> Uh, Destiny, uh, I, I started playing Destiny in, in some kind of way, shape or form like six years ago and stopped paying attention to anything of Destiny's story about five years ago. Um, so the idea that it's still going in the the cutscenes look well produced and look nice and um, I played a little bit with uh, the patron saint of all time gaming for way back in the day, Mr. Matt Towie and um, and he has some good, you know, some nice things to say about it. Um, but Otherwise, like I just enjoy shooting things, which is what I largely go back to Destiny for. And sure enough, you can still shoot things. Uh, Europa, which was the new destination that was introduced in Beyond Light, seemed like a a fun place to hang out. Something a little bit different. It's this big sort of hoth-like icy planet. Um, and I, yeah, I enjoyed shooting stuff. A new season just started. I think it's called the Season of the Chosen that replaced the Season of the Hunted. And they do these seasons now instead of these smaller expansions they did between the big annual ones. Um, I, I gather that there's some resistance to that in that they're kind of doing lots of little things to keep people engaged on a day-to-day basis, but that it's inhibiting their ability to do the bigger content drops that actually get people really excited. Um, Skill Up just made a, a sort of a quite an interesting video about where he sees Destiny at the moment, and he says it better than I ever could. But yeah, Destiny. Um, turns out you can still shoot stuff and numbers still go up, Jonesy. I don't know if you've heard. 
Do you know what, one of the things I love about Destiny in general is, is how good the shooting does feel in those games. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it looks great, and it, the shooting is is one of, yeah one of the best I think we've ever seen. Um, have you, it feels um, good. It looks ha- good. Have you uh, downloaded the PlayStation Five version of Destiny Two yet? I haven't. No, no. I've uh, as as anyone with a PlayStation Five will know oh. that hard drive space is a premium Bro, currency. That hard drive space triggered me so hard this week, so hard. I actually had to go onto the uh, the, the PS Five or the PlayStation section of our Discord server and uh, <laughs> and rant. Uh, I guess I'm guess, guess which game was responsible quickly. Oh, it's got to be a bit of Warzone, surely. Yeah, Call of Duty. Fuck Call of Duty. Absolute monster. Oh, it was a Monster joke. Game. It was a joke. It was a joke. It's, I, it's, yeah. it, is, it is like... Oh, so it used to be a problem. If you're not a PlayStation person, um, maybe it's the same with Xbox, I don't know, but it used to be a problem with the PlayStation 4 in like deleting deleting content to play new games. But I swear that it used to happen to me um, you know, on a, on a every other month basis. With yeah. the PlayStation 5, I've only owned that thing since, what, November? And I swear I've been in that menu deleting crap like every well, other because- week. For so, you and I both had PlayStation 4 Pros, right? So yeah. we were working with one terabyte hard drives and significantly smaller games for the most part. And <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong, there are still some encouragingly small games on the PlayStation. Like, they've managed to squeeze all of Hitman, that's Hitman 3 with 1 and 2's levels included, to around 60-something gigabytes. That's great. but when the I don't of- know that's true. I that- swear that I looked at it yesterday and it's 110. No, that's not Hitman 3. Are you sure? Okay. I'll take your... No, no, I was looking on the, uh, in the menus to see how big it was because I was looking at how, if I could fit it. And it, I'm sw- I thought it said it was 110. Maybe might, I, I must be may, crazy. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I was deleting stuff the other day and I was like, oh, why would I delete Hitman? It's only 60-something gigabytes. Um, maybe, there's, okay. maybe something got lost in translation there. But essentially, the, 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 the trouble I ran into was there was an update to Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is still the client you have to launch to play Call of Duty Warzone, even though, which is a PlayStation 4 application that runs in backwards compatibility mode on the PlayStation 5. Stop me if this sounds fucking stupid already. And it had a, I think it was an 11 or a 13 gigabyte patch, something like that, that it needed to download. Right. And the PlayStation 5 wanted me to clear over 100 gigabytes of free space to start the download of this update. And I couldn't right. figure out why for the life of me. And so I was looking at my thing and I was like, it wants me to delete like the equivalent of like a Rocket League or a Destruction All-Stars just to make space for this patch that's a tenth of the size of what it requires. And it's like, we're already talking about an SSD that once it's taken up the space that it needs for the operating system and all this other shit, is about 600 gigabytes. And if I need 100 gigabytes of that free to download patches at times, then it's 500 gigabytes. And if it's 500 gigabytes, then owning Black Ops Cold War and keeping Modern Warfare installed for Warzone purposes takes up 50% of all the space you have. That is, is yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like We need those, um, yeah. we need those add-in SSDs to start, I, you know, I, to expand. I, do, I went, go back through the podcast over the months, I went, I went on some rants about the PS5 SSD, and I feel like people laughed at me at the time and found, and found it funny. But I stand by pretty much everything I said in any one of those rants. I'm not going to do another one now. But it's silly. It's silly. Yeah. That is, it is ridiculous. Um, I, I did check, by the way. So the, uh, if you have... It is a bit insane with Hitman. Um, we, we can talk about it a little bit. But 
um, the way that you can do is add-ons. But if you have Hitman three, including two, and with the one add-on, it's a hundred gig. So um, I okay, fair enough. I'm I, you've got a source in front of you, and I'm not going to question that source. But I that d- is not true to my situation. Well, this this is from Push Square, where they said um, a developer for IO Interactive said they've done a lot of optimization work because it should have been around two hundred gig for all three for all the content from all three games, yeah. but they've done a whole bunch of optimization and the developers said that the three titles weigh in at about 100 gig. So that would, to be fair, so that would be about on par with my, I thought it was about 110, but yeah, no, maybe maybe not. I'm, I'm um, pretty sure it's less for me. I can't be bothered to turn on my PlayStation in the middle of the podcast. I'm damn tempted to. Um, well, let's, let's, we, we can, um, we can, we'll tweet about it. We'll, uh, we'll check afterwards and we'll tweet about it. Because uh, maybe, to be fair, maybe they've done some more optimization and it's not that. But that's not Hitman 3, I should say. That's Hitman 3 with hitman 2 in but, it and the content from hitman 1 is that, but that's the weird so. thing is that uh, again we're getting into the details here that people don't need to necessarily hear i had hitman 2 installed on my ps5 prior to hitman 3's release because i wanted to play a little bit and hitman 2 did this weird thing where the locations from hitman's 1 and 2 were separate pieces of content that were like installed on the console so you could go and see like oh legacy level paris was like an item yeah. in the installed contents under hitman 2 Hitman 3 doesn't do that. When my installed, when I go into my PlayStation 5's hard drive and look at the components that make up Hitman 3, it's Hitman 3, all the levels from Hitman 3, and then it's just an item called Hitman 2 Pass and an item called Hitman Pass, and those items are tiny. So somehow, like, the levels of... Unless it's just not oh. surfacing the information in a way that makes sense. The you l- need the games installed, though, don't you? Uh, As in, you need, you need Hitman 2 installed. I'm tell I'm telling you that right now I've got a version of Hitman Three installed that I can play Hitman Two levels on, and all I've got is the passes and because I kept Hitman Two installed for ages on my PlayStation Five, and I looked up can I delete Hitman Two, and the response was like yes you can delete Hitman Two, so I did. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, we'll Hit- have to look at Hitman into Two with the, with the Hitman One levels on it on my PS Five was like 120 gigs. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's why I was so that's why I think they people thought the install for Hitman Three with the other two was going to be insane. I think I, 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 maybe they've done some voodoo black magic <laughs> kind of shit to to get it. There. I don't know. It's dark storage. You can't see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't say it exists. Hide it um, from the PlayStation. <laughs> well, uh, um, so, but what, what else have you been playing? I was going to give a quick shout out to a game that nearly made it into the news section last week, um, uh, and that's Goldeneye 007. Uh, it turned out that the N64 Classic, weirdly enough, was uh, in the process of being remastered for uh, Xbox 360, specifically the Xbox Live Arcade. I want to say, I might, I might be mistaken, but I want to say it was actually an internal project at Rare, who were the um, original developers of Golden N64 and were bought by, bought by Microsoft um, sometime thereafter, after they stopped working with Nintendo. Still owned by Microsoft, which is why Things like Sea of Thieves are still uh, exclusive to those platforms. Um, it ended up not coming out because it was a bit of a rights disaster because obviously you had Rare who were owned by Microsoft, but obviously GoldenEye 007 was originally released on the N64, but then also there's the rights holders to James Bond. There's the fact that EA, I think, had the exclusive rights to make James Bond games at the time. Pierce Brosnan's license, all this shit kind of like was of course the absolute disastrous like hot panic um shout out to chris and <laughs> net result was that the game was basically finished but never released so that news story went around last week right and i was like oh, okay that's cool that's interesting then i'm 
on YouTube, and there's this guy I know, uh, used to work at a games website that I followed, now streams a lot on Twitch, and he's streaming it. And I'm like, hang on a second, what do you mean he's streaming the like the remastered GoldenEye 007? And I was like, yeah. even if like it leaked, surely it's like illegal or something like that. And it turns out, I don't know how or why, but it turns out nothing about this project and it leaking was like illegal. And it's up, and the 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 ROM or the ISO on it is on archive.org. Like it's just like <laughs> it's like public history now, so you could just go oh, and download wow. it. And I was looking it up online. It was like, yeah, there's a Xbox 360 emulator called Xenia or Xenia or something like that, X E N I A, and you can just download this game from archive.org. And it was almost finished, and so it just plays fine. So you're playing a remastered version of GoldenEye 007 on your PC. Uh, the emulator has full controller support, so I had an Xbox One controller plugged in via USB. It picked up immediately. The buttons were all mapped out because it was the same as the 360 buttons they were going to use. And it and it worked. And you know what the best part about it, Jonesy? Go on. It does what all good remasters do. has a button that changes from the new graphics to the old graphics. Oh, so you can go graphics on, graphics off, yeah, graphics on, graphics off. N64, Xbox 360, N64. Uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, trust me, Pushing that button over and over again is is a fun time. And they did some um, interesting stuff you can see when you do the side-by-side. Obviously, okay. it's still from, like, fucking 10-plus years ago. days. Yeah, yeah. exactly, but uh, it's it's not bad. Well, they, hey, that's a great little tip for people. If they if they want to get their hands on that, then they can go over to yeah, Archive you don't, you don't need to go any, You don't need to go to some dodgy website that forces you to make an account or anything like that. It's all above the board, it's all legal, and it's on archive.org. Nice. And Xenia wasn't too, I didn't have to do any weird like BIOS stuff uh, to get that working. I just downloaded a version of it and opened Goldeneye and it, it ran. No, I want my if you ever like download a program on your PC and then you like click on it, it's like, okay, you need to do open the command prompt. Da, da, da. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> like, this is beyond yeah, exactly. what I want to do luckily, right now. Luckily wanna... it was none of that bullshit. <laughs> but anyway, that was uh that was uh that was my week. Um gaming nice I, i'll keep mine very brief because i've already talked about the only game that i played this week really well, which was, we haven't um, talked about what you think about it though and that's the key part that's true that's true so um i don't know if we did we talk about it last week i'm not too sure but obviously and we've just talked about it now hitman 3 came out um has had a lot of praise i wanted to play hitman 2 i was like do you know what i need to play hitman 2 to decide if i'm gonna play if i'm gonna get hitman 3 because i don't just want to like outlay that cost um because my problem with the hitman games is i fall off them really quickly i like the idea behind them i like the sandbox feel but it's too sandboxy in a lot of ways for me and i just stop playing them um so i thought i'll play hitman 2 i couldn't find hitman 2 even though i was sure i own it and jamie you've even told me that i brought i must own it because we got it given it at the same time which was the hitman 2 launch event technically yes you it might have gone a well since then you never know I think you're right. I think I've got it. I just couldn't find it. Um, but so in the, I actually decided to install Hitman 1 because I do own the digital version of Hitman 1. So I put that on and then all confused myself with what game I actually had. I was like, did I put Hitman 1 or Hitman 2? And I was playing Hitman 1. I think I even tweeted about playing Hitman 2 and then was like, I haven't got two. I've got one. Like, Jesus Christ. But I wanted a fix and I didn't finish one because I fell off it as well. Um, right. Surprise, surprise. But actually, do you know what? Going back into it this time, I had a much better time with it than I've ever had. Um, Good. There is a thing now where if you get the if you put it into your PlayStation Five, you get. Uh, I imagine the same with the Pro. I don't know, but you get all the Legacy uh, One upgrades for free. 
So if you own Hitman 1, is it, it gets so confusing. If you own Hitman 1 and you install it on your system, you can automatically upgrade to like the Game of the Year edition. You get these right, add-on yeah. legacy levels that you can then play the Hitman 2 versions of the Hitman 1 levels, even if you only own Hitman 1, which is a very nice thing to do to okay. push out to people. Okay. So I've, I don't, so I own the, <laughs> I have the Hitman 2 versions of the Hitman 1 levels and the prologue for Hitman 2 installed. So I can play all of that. And I finished the campaign as well for Hitman 1, the main campaign, um, which isn't too long. It's, you know, it's like eight levels, I believe. Um, uh, I think the actual, like the, the, the base games are usually six. Is it six? And then they add a couple as DLC. So, and then I've played I'm trying an to remember, extra... What's, what, one is, it's Paris, Sapienza. Sapienza. Then it's uh, like to- Bangkok. No, there's one um, before then. It's like Marrakesh or Morocco. Oh, Marrakesh. Marrakesh, Marrakesh yeah. Bangkok, Colorado, Hokkaido. Yes. And then it's uh, it's Hokkaido. Hokkaido is the last one, yeah. Yeah. And then you get the um, what can't remember what it's called. You get a whole another campaign, like a bonus campaign. Patient as well. Zero, the one Patient about, Zero, yeah. which is such a good idea. Like I, I didn't realize they'd done that, but looking into it, they reuse the locations from the first levels, but they yeah. rejig stuff, and it's a really good idea because you play the the hotel level in Bangkok again, but they've redone the whole thing so that now it's not about the musician. And the uh, the and the, I can't remember what the other guy even does. The music producer guy. It's now about a cult who too are staying in the hotel right, and are yeah. doing a religious retreat. And I was like, this is such a cool idea. But I then also pl- replayed the Sapienza level that had been had a bonus added to it, where you could play. Um, you have to take out the the actor who's dressed as like Iron oh, Man. Oh yeah, it's, it's like nighttime. Sapienza at yes. night. It's like a big movie set. Exactly, and it's got this uh, big robot thing chasing him and like breathing flames out, and you have to get in and, and figure out a way to take him out. But do you know what? I had a much better time with it, and I'm going to play two, and assuming I finish two as well, then I might actually get my hands on three, which would be go. the longest I've ever played a Hitman game for a long time, So probably since the first one. So yeah. they're, they're good games, and I think if you can find like things that you enjoy about uh, the first one, whether it's like... <laughs> following the opportunities on the mission stories and kind of seeing that stuff through or just exploring those levels and uh then then fundamentally like you can get the same enjoyment out of Hitman 2 and Hitman 3 and the good thing is that there are some very good levels um waiting mm. for you in those games uh that's one thing they've consistently done is I think when you get all three together some great stages to go back and have fun on um I think it's what the one thing I did which made a real difference to me was rather than doing so the way that I normally play a Hitman game was I go in and I immediately climb out of a window, start scaling a wall, try and find my target in the in like point A to point B and yeah. just sneakily take them out. That's like how I always used to do it. But this time I've I've literally taken the whole level in, gone round, found all the opportunities, mm. not really done anything, kept it all above board and then said, which opportunity do I want to track? Yeah. And it's meant that I've had a much better time because I can then pick and choose. So for example, when I did the Sapienza at night thing, I did the opportunity where you um, open the jaws of the big uh, robot thing and then you increase the pressure on the jump pad so that when he jumps on it, he gets launched into this like huge mauling metal mouth and he just gets ground up. Um, and I think in the Hokkaido... Uh, which is... What's it? Hokkaido. 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 Uh, I poisoned the woman with like the sushi... And then she just like dies in the middle of the room, and it's it just it's weird because it gives you it gives a lot more it's a lot more interesting. Yeah. And I, I, Colorado was my favorite map by far. 
where you've you got five that. targets. I, that was my least favorite map. I took everyone out in a really cool way, which is why I think I liked it so much. Like Maybe. I used the ram to take out two people. I shoved this this woman into a pit, a slurry pit. Isn't there one that's like a car crusher or something like that? So that's the ram. Oh, uh, you can drop oh, the, the car. You can drop the car onto one of the people. I didn't do that one actually. Um, yeah, you can you can mess with the controls of in the garage yeah. and drop a car on someone. I think I thought it was cool because it was five targets and you get to get that 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 payoff of following opportunities and taking people out. You get like all of it in one quick go. It yeah. was like person to person to person to person. I get that. Which I really liked. I, I sometimes felt like like the sometimes the more objectives there were in a certain place, like the the more I don't know, the less it felt like Hitman for me. Like for example, the classic example I can always think of is Sapiens is one of my favourite locations that but it feels like the whole destroy the virus objective is like from a different game. I hated that level, and that is why I stopped playing Hitman One because of that destroy the virus thing. Yeah, Sapienza would be fine, I think. If it would. Sapienza would be one of the best of all time if it didn't. I think I do you know what I did in that. I blew him up with the golf ball. I think. Yeah, the explosive golf ball. And then the only way that I finished that mission, so I actually didn't do that this time round. This is when I initially played it. Um, I didn't redo it because I didn't like the level so much. Uh, I ended up going in with an assault rifle and just blowing everyone away. And uh, there was even a there was a door that was locked because they're like, well, now everyone's in lockdown. You can't get to the virus. But some weird thing happened where like 50 dudes tried to come out of a door that was supposed to be locked. And I blew them all away with an assault rifle and then just played the whole level by killing like 200 people. Mm. I killed all the doctors. I killed everyone in, and I just smashed my way in burnt the virus yeah. and escaped and it was that, rubbish like i hate it i was listening to something the other day and some guy was describing like these modern the, this trilogy of hitman games is almost like every level is a series of like dominoes all lined up and they're at its best when you're almost like skirting around the edges of this line of dominoes and picking your point to almost insert yourself in this neat thing that's sort of almost like this neat, neat bit of circuitry machinery right that sort of like runs automatically and say this is the point which i'm going to insert myself into it and start causing havoc and it's at its best where you flip over one domino and every you slowly see everything else fall uh, fall over. But the assault rifle approach, while effective, is like looking at a bunch of dominoes that are all lined up. Instead of just flicking the one at the front, you just step on them. They still get knocked over, but none of the kind of the the fun procedure of getting there is is sort of removed from it. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's why I really enjoy those opportunity things, which I I think we talked about last week. I didn't. I kind of didn't enjoy that element to it hmm. the first time I yeah. played it because um, I, I, maybe I didn't engage with it properly. And I, d- I definitely, this time around, found a few of those opportunities a bit odd. Like I would, because it, it would feel like I started an opportunity, I traced it all the way through, and then it didn't pay off. So, yeah, that was one thing that happened a lot more in Hitman 1 and 2 was that like Hitman 3, there's a lot of opportunities that are like, no, we're going to get you to the end of the level, basically. You're just going to have to escape after this. Hitman right. 1 was a lot like, this is an opportunity that might get you a certain disguise in a, in a certain place, but you're still going to have to kill him yourself. Um, yes. So, and one that jumps out for me for that is the hotel in Bangkok, where you can be a chef, you get the, the 27 for his birthday, you go up to their, his room, you put it on his cake, he then comes down to blow the candles out. And I'm thinking, is this an exploding... Like, was I supposed to do something to make this an exploding <laughs> number on a cake? Like... What's going on? And he just walks into the room, they sing, and he goes back to hit, goes back into the high security section. And I'm yeah. like, and it went ch- like completed the opportunity. I'm like, well, when was I supposed to kill him? Like, yeah. 
well, that's, well, that's why the... they're, they're not called opportunities anymore. Like, because right. again, in Hitman 1, it was very much this idea of, hey, this is going to be your way of getting someone. Maybe you're going to break their rhythm or their routine and get them out of an area they usually don't leave. Or maybe you're going to get them on their own because they'll do something they don't want their guards around for. In Hitman 2 and 3, they got their names changed to Mission Stories, I think. Right. Um, which maybe that makes, makes a sense. little bit more sense. Um, but Hitman, but no, Hitman yeah, 3 has a lot cool. more examples of like, nah, this 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 story involves a, ultimately a way of killing someone. Or it makes it very obvious how you're meant to kill them. Right. There was one example for that where, where it didn't, but I, I figured, I must, I figured uh, it out. One still has, and someone mentioned this on our Discord. Um, shout out to the Discord. You can get on there for as little as $2 if you join our Patreon. <laughs> um, someone mentioned this on there, which is that the AI does seem to almost be telepathic in some sense. It's it not it's not that bad. Like, it's very good AI generally. Oh, well, but yeah. there is a sense of... So, so for example, I think I was I was going through a level and I could see on the map that someone who had seen me do something dodgy, when he bumped into someone else of security, they would also get alerted. And it was like a daisy chain. And that was really cool. That was like, mm. they were telling them and telling them and telling them. But then there were times when I did something that definitely someone couldn't see. And they were like, oh my goodness, crime spotted. And I'm like, oh, come on you. See, that's interesting. You describe Hitman as having good AI. Hitman for me is a series that has good, bad AI. If that, if that oh, makes sense. right. In that like, yeah, yeah. You, Hitman takes place on another universe and the sense that you have to have a huge amount of suspension of disbelief to accept that the people you're interacting with are human beings but they're <laughs> but they're consistent in that like yes like you can have a conversation with someone in one disguise run a one run away have a completely conversation different and then come back to them and be like ah oh, i've never seen you before so <laughs> you literally sat down and stared at me 30 seconds ago and i've put a different hat on but you accept <laughs> that and you move on you no, know, that you're definitely right in that it's good bad AI because it's 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 AI almost on a it's just on a um on a route like they've got things to do and they do it and they go round and round and round and round which means that you like you said it's the dominoes they're the dominoes that you can push and unless you push them they just kind of redo it and they yeah. so that you know that you've got an opportunity to to insert yourself <laughs> and that's kind of how it needs to happen I suppose yeah. but there is definitely some dodginess in, involved when stuff goes down that gets a bit strange. Oh yeah, and you <laughs> learn how to weird. manipulate them and you learn how they work and you learn like, hey, this is a world in which every single person on planet Earth, no matter how important they are, will stop whatever they were doing if they hear a coin drop within 20 feet of them. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Although I did, I did that in front of someone to see how dumb it was. I just threw the coin they, away they, from they me. They just stare at you. They're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> and he went, hey man, pick up your trash. <laughs> Which I thought was yeah. quite good. Although it, there isn't much that's uh, more fun than slamming a can into the side of someone's head to silently knock oh, them the, out. The throwing shit is so so good, so good. It is very cool. There's not enough blood. I found this. Yet I killed someone with an axe. Jesus, Josie. I threw an axe in someone's face right next to someone else. Then stole their clothes and was annoyed that there were the person was fine. I needed like <laughs> some blood and some. Uh, like, you can maybe we start working on a mod, a dismemberment mod. But and also you should have it that you can't wear clothes that you've got blood all over. There, there, there was. I don't know if it's still in the game, but there was a difficulty where that was a thing. Like one, the highest difficulty was like, hey, if you right. shot someone or if you killed someone in a way that they would bleed, uh, you wouldn't be able to wear their disguise. Yes, you're right. I remember actually seeing that now. Um, I'm trying to think because there was there was one other thing that really made me laugh when I was playing it, which was um, oh, and no, I can't remember what it was. What I was going to mention. No, it doesn't matter. There you it's go. Gone. Um, it's gone. It's gone. 
that's left kind of been that important hmm. but yeah i'm gonna crack on with those and try and uh hey maybe by by christmas i'll finish up that trilogy maybe 10 months ago <laughs> but let's move on let's talk about some news um okay. jamie it's been it is a roller coaster at the moment for uh cd project and <laughs> this week has been another down yes for them um so yeah for people that haven't heard uh just as if you couldn't imagine if this story was going to get any more interesting and if the roller coaster that was uh cd project um was going to get any more rickety they were hacked um successfully hacked well successful to the hackers i guess um they effectively had one of their servers uh, that had a lot of um company information game information was hacked and all the information was stolen and it was also encrypted so that they couldn't access it themselves um and they had a note left by the hackers basically saying look if you don't um give us a million dollars we're going to release all the source code for uh cyberpunk 2077 the witcher 3 gwent and an unreleased version of the witcher 3 which people are suggesting is of course um, a next gen version of the witcher 3 um they also stole company documentation so um I guess about employees and and um, investor information and all sorts of other uh, PR, uh, PR stuff. Um, not PR. What's what you call it? Uh, uh, human resources stuff. HR stuff. Um, which has got to have some pretty juicy information in. I think, given how um, bad CD Projekt have had it at the moment. Yeah. Especially if there are like internal emails and things all logged onto there, and you know, like notes about oh, things bro, that like, have gone on, and or like just accounting stuff, or like the the information, the personal information of employees and former employees. It, like, it's a deep and dark rabbit hole. It really is. They've they've said that no uh, customer information was on the server, and so they're pretty safe um, from that perspective. Yeah. Um, but they have said they're not going to comply. They've said that they're not paying the million dollars. And so this stuff is going to get released online and they are now doing uh, damage mitigation in order to try and meet anything yeah. that they think might happen off the back of this. But yeah, a, a really bad thing to happen for them at this time, especially, Jamie. But like, the, but I, I mean, you, I almost called it the cherry on top, but that seems even almost cruel to, to call it like that. I mean, because no matter what you think about Cyberpunk 2077 and no matter what, you think about the role CD Projekt and CD Projekt Red played in the way that game was promoted and 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 the state it was uh, released and shipped in. Like they they, I think people going online to talk about how they quote unquote deserved something like this is 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 unfair because as you outlined there, like the ramifications and the and the the issues that could arise from something like this are dram- are potentially dramatic. Uh, as you said, I think the the issues lie more in um, things like uh, you know accounts and and employee and blah 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 like things like source code, like which is one of the big things that the the group that uh, com- like did the hack are, are are threatening to mess around with, and according to some sources, have already started auctioning. I don't think that's a huge deal. We were joking before we started recording, like. No major individual, certainly no one, or you don't imagine anyone with the money the that these hackers want. Apparently, the auction or the bidding started at one million dollars for the source code to those games. Which millionaire benefits from <laughs> having the source code to like The Witcher Three or, or Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven when you can't do anything with it legally? As soon as CD Projekt Red have reason to believe that their source code has been reused in another project, then they just sue the people who 
sue the people behind that project. Like it's kind of like a non-starter. Um, also, like not to be a dick, but who's going to look at Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven and go, "I'd love to get my hands on that yeah, epic exactly. source code." And like, the, the, I was listening to another podcast and they made some good points that sometimes source code has stuff in it that you don't want to get out, like source code relating to things that were cut for various reasons. Because of course, right. go back to GTA San Andreas, where like the source code uh, still had mention of the, the like, it still had the hot coffee stuff in it, and. Uh, at the time people were able to extract that stuff out of the game and it, it caused big problems for rockstar um all the way down to the fact that hey sometimes people like engineers programmers whoever it is they leave comments in source code uh, yeah. that are not meant to be read by the general public but that stuff can be bad um and that's another reason why this all kind of sucks for cd project red and is something that they and the, their employees didn't need at a difficult already difficult time but really like it's the to use the words of the hackers accounting administration legal hr investor relations stuff like it would be a real shame if there were any major fallouts as a direct result of that because i said like yes they released a bad game and yes there was some dodgy shit that went down around the release of the bad game that left a lot of people feeling uh a little bit burnt a little bit fucked over that 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 that, that sucks you know uh especially for anyone that paid money for cyberpunk 2077 and ended up being disappointed but you know what you live and you learn you use that you know you hold that reputation against CD Projekt Red if you need to when it comes to them releasing their next game but I think going anywhere beyond that is sort of unnecessary and certainly uh, wishing any kind of ill will towards individuals who probably had no individual responsibility for what ended up happening to that game um, and wishing any ill will towards them or thinking that they deserved something like this seems a little bit unfair Uh, again you just sort of look at this and hope that nothing too catastrophic comes of it that's how I feel at least I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be cool if something really bad shit happened as a result of this. I think they'll be fine overall, but I think it would suck if bad, really bad shit happened. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with everything you said. I think it's 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 unlikely that they're going to be able to sell this to anybody who's going to be able to do much with it. I think the only the only thing we could, I could think of is yeah, companies that want to use it in countries where they don't have copyright laws, you know, that match or that that. I know some countries can sort of do what they want and they don't agree with international copyright, but it's kind of, then it becomes irrelevant because then it's like, well, if that's the case, you could just copy these games yourself and sell them in those territories. Like, it's not difficult to rip a game and sell it if there's no copyright law. Yeah. So um, it's it's a weird thing. And like, I think you're right. It is all down to the... Because um, so, what they said is in the, in the hack is the accounting administration, legal HR and investor relations. I think that's the stuff that could get dodgy. Um, I'd go one step further because they... So they've said that um they have contacts in gaming journalism and if they don't pay the money it was within 48 hours and as you've said they've already started auctioning yeah. off for trying to auction off for a million quid the source code that they're going to provide that stuff to gaming journalists i would like to see the gaming journalists uh not accept it and not even well, look like, at it. which one does which one does like, I think like, like, some but, will some for sure will. like some will but will. then then you, you've got this sort of like stain on your reputation of being like hey I was the guy who was willing to communicate with and and work with a group of hackers that stole all this information from yeah from a, like I don't know I think that's a uh, when and, I say journalism let, let, I'm thinking let, in my I'm I'm thinking a broader like I'm thinking YouTubers and bloggers oh, yeah, and you, all YouTubers that sort of they'll stuff be all well. they'll be all over this you go to the right YouTuber yeah. with this information they'll love it but yeah I I don't think because, most of the I don't know yeah I don't think the main sort of print journal people not print but you know like bigger website journalists would do it. 
but I can see I can see YouTubers and stuff getting yeah. hold of this and and releasing like, information. Like from it. lots of people immediately joked about Jason Trier, but like as a, as an example, this is the opposite of the kind of thing that Jason Trier would do. He would not you know write stories based off information he attained from collaborating with a group of hackers who stole that information yeah. to begin with. Like that's that's not that he would report on that happening, but he wouldn't make no. you know he wouldn't publish that information. I think his his mo is you know people know he's a, a voice in the industry and and d- tries to do a lot of stuff and people from those companies go to him directly and they talk to him about their experiences and stuff. They don't, yeah, he doesn't generally do stuff like this. So, um, I will I will quote a little bit of the the note that the hackers left for CD Projekt because they are muppets. Let's just put it so they said you you have been epically pwned. Jeez, yeah, um, great start. <laughs> we've dumped full copies of the source codes from your pre-force server uh, for Witcher 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Gwent, an unreleased version of Witcher 3. Um, well, they haven't, though. This is all, They haven't dumped it yet. They've, they've uh, so, stolen uh, it. Latest update is apparently they have dumped the source code to Gwent, perhaps as a okay. means to prove that the other things they have are legit. Um, right. The source code to Witcher 3, Cyberpunk 2077, etc., is being auctioned today, apparently, on exploit forums at a starting bid of one million US dollars, <laughs> or you can just buy it outright immediately for seven million dollars. Okay, do you know what? If if we're totally wrong and someone comes in and buys this for like three, four million, I'll be blown away, and I'll be like, "Who? Who is this? Who's buying this?" Um, but um, uh, yeah, and then they they effectively just go on to say this is this is one of the worst parts, I think, and this goes to what you were saying about how cyberpunk did some put out a bad game is that i think the hackers almost think that they're entitled to do this because they're saying well you are you're shitty and you're Mm. a shitty company so we can do what we want because they said um they're going to drop the source code if cd project don't pay them a million quid um they've said your public image will go down the shitter even more and people will see how shitty your company actually functions investors will lose trust in your company and the stock will dive even lower I, lo- I, I, lo- I love that the hackers couldn't help themselves but reveal where where they're from. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> down like, the shitter. Down the shitter. Who says no American hacker saying down the shitter? Yeah, go to the middle of England and you'll find the hackers. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just that narrows down the search somewhat. Like, we're looking for a group of hackers that would use the phrase down the shitter. Um, but And they are... They are um... So CD Projekt are seeking, like obviously, as you imagine, they're going the legal route. So they're trying to, they're, yeah. they're giving all the information to the authorities, and they're trying to track these people down. So just, hopefully, they track them down. Hopefully, they get arrested. Um, hopefully, and there you go. And in the meantime, like I, again, like, looking at replies on Twitter, good retribution for fucking with people's trusts. Uh, CDPR deserves this. Honestly, couldn't even finish a game after what seven years. Can't be bothered to harden their servers. Um, like, how I don't I don't get the idea that they does the idea of saying you deserve this is like saying that you it was cool to go and steal all the stuff from someone's shop because they should have had better security. Oh, you didn't want to you didn't want to hire a security like, guard. That's what I'm saying. I, 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 your I, shit. I, I, I fundamentally disagree with uh, these tweets. Yeah. but that's I'm just saying. Like I feel almost feel more inclined to uh, to feel sorry for them when this is where so many people's heads go to when something like this happens. And I, know, I, I, know, I know this is Twitter, and it's all anonymous, and it's all just people being inflammatory. And I'm sure, you know, going back to the Mahershala Ali stuff, I'm sure a lot of the discourse that I was seeing around the, in the couple of hours where that was the leading theory on Joel's casting, a lot of it was the same. Like people who use platforms like Twitter as an excuse to say these, you know, 
things that they know are inflammatory and polarizing, but it's still a little bit depressing. Yeah, they, there is a big thing about you just wanting to have a hot take for um, yeah. <laughs> for Twitter, otherwise you're and kind you of can. Irrelevant. There's no repercussions for no matter how hot your take gets, right? Oh, there might be Jamie, because well. we might talk about that if in a couple of stories if we've got time. Sometimes there oh. is a reaction to your. <laughs> do you know Twitter. what? Now that you've planted the seed, I think when we do get to it, you have to at least throw it out there, right? The story. I mean. Yeah, I'll yeah, let, I'll, 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 I'll let you uh, I'll let you indulge it. <laughs> let me delve. Um, but first, uh, we need to talk about a report that says the ESA, um, who are the guys who put on E3, are focusing on a three-day all-digital E3 event for Indeed. 2021. Um, so this is quite. This could be exciting, or you. This could be completely irrelevant, well, depending on how you feel about it. I'm leaning more towards the latter, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but okay, right, fair enough. Well, so like, here's, I guess the breakdown for anyone wondering is obviously E3 was uh, didn't even happen last year. They cancelled the physical event because of uh, the coronavirus, but there were also lots of rumours around E3 at the time suggesting that, A, they were maybe having some trouble getting their shit together and figuring out what exactly E3 was once it was open to the public and, and so on and so forth, and not really the, you know, the insider trade event that it was, uh, historically speaking. It looks like they're trying to come back this year. They're acknowledging that a physical event probably isn't going to be possible. They're looking at a digital event in June. All makes sense so far. The issue is that, like, I just don't know, and you can step in and tell me how how you think it works. I just don't know who this appeals to. Because what we saw last year was with Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest, Jeff Keighley, I'm just using that as an example because it was the biggest one, created this sort of like this very soft umbrella where he said, hey, I'm going to put out this term, I'm going to create this website, I'm going to have my own live streams. You can come under the Summer Games Fest umbrella, but you don't have to do anything. You can still run your own stream on your own ch- on your own channels and your own platforms whenever the fuck you want to, even if it's in fucking September. Um, you can still do it, do whatever you want and show whatever you want. We're just going to tell people about it, and it's going to come under our banner. And I think that worked for people last year. Um, the ESA, on the other hand, what they're trying to do is a lot more like they're trying to strong arm things in, in more of a sense in the terms of like, hey, no, we know when we want our digital event to run we have a couple we have a set you know we have a week in mind and a few set days in mind for the actual streaming side of things and also unless i'm mistaken you have to pay to be involved in what the esa is planning you have to pay to participate so you're looking for companies that say okay we're going to take our event we're going to specifically put it in what the esa when the esa wants this shit to happen we're going to pay for the right to be involved um I don't know who that appeals to, beyond the fact that the point that we made before we started recording that there's the argument that last summer suffered from the fact that it was this sort of this weird shit show kind of rapid fire. It was like this thing of like things were happening consistently from May through to September, and it was very hard to get excited about any one thing or any one period of time just because it was so scattershot. And maybe the ESA trying to pull the focus back to one week in June benefits everyone because it's this big week of everyone getting excited lots of publicity and you can really focus your attention on this one period of time but i if i am someone who pulled off a successful live stream on my own last summer which was kind of the majority of people who try to do that shit i don't know why this is appealing to me yeah i i think you're you're 99 right like a, a, it, it would be a strange thing for all these companies to turn around and go Actually, yeah. Do you know what? Let's let's cram everything into three days. Let's um, 
you know, let's let's pay money if they have got to pay money to the ESA, and let's because not only are they giving themselves like a target, you know, a target. Some people won't be ready to go then. Some yep. people will have will be waiting. They could have put their stuff out there earlier in the year, but they'll be waiting until June, which fair enough. But some people who maybe wouldn't want to put anything out until August might struggle to get what they want out in time for June. So if they have a op- more open time frame like Summer Game Fest, they could just wait and they could just queue up for the later in the year, which would make more sense. Um, yeah. I I kind of feel I'm a little. The only thing I'm on two minds about is the Summer Game Fest was too uh like you said scattershot and a little bit too spanning it was it was from may to september was too long it meant that we had weeks where there was nothing Mm. um also it did make it a little tricky to kind of say to kind of keep a handle on what was going on and when it was going on and what did things bump into each other like it would have been nice if there was a maybe more communication where they had things more spread out yeah but the e3 idea of saying they're going to do it in three days to me is is ridiculous because who's going to sit down at home for three days order a pizza get like the um the well, red bull out and just cram for three days I used at to, home but i used to do that like you remember like they, the press conferences used to happen in the three or four days prior to the show floor opening and used to have like okay sunday is microsoft then ea and then monday is ubisoft then square enix then nintendo and like used to sit we were in la for that period and we were like we would knew when each one was happening and i loved that I'll, I, see, I do I, miss that. <laughs> but I don't think we're typical. I think no, what I, I mean is... Yeah, fair enough. Well, I think when you're looking at the audience and when you're looking at the actual, not the trade people, not the people in the industry, not people like us who are trying to cover it, but when you try and look at the average person sitting at home who likes games, I think it's better for them to have it over, do you know, maybe like three weeks, maybe a month would be if you could fit everything more spread out into that. Because I know the ESA have also said that they want to put out remote demos and things that people can download yeah. and play. Which that is a great idea. Like that's something that would be brilliant if you could bring some of that E3 into your home by saying, "Do you know what? Right now, there's a demo going live, and here's the code for it. Yeah, and you need to watch in order to like a lot of these tricks that people use in order to you know, or there are giveaways. Like if you spot this, if you spot that, if you if you go to a website that gets flashed up at this time, you can keep people engaged. Yeah, but I I feel like the time frame is is unrealistic. The time frame is unrealistic. I think the amount of people they can get involved. Like, there's even mention of an award show. I should say a lot of this came out of like VGC, the website who were able to get access to the ESA's assumed plans. But like, do we need another award show? No. Like, no, we don't need to sit down in June and like see more. Like, and I. The other thing is like the other stuff will. St- Gamescom will still happen in August. Jeff Keighley will still be a part of that. Jeff Keighley's confirmed that his Summer Games Fest is going to go ahead again. Uh, Jeff Grubb from VentureBeat has already confirmed he's spoken to one high-profile publisher who has confirmed their plans to do their own live streams again this summer. I just feel like everything's working against the ESA, and there was a lot more going on in E3 2020 than just the coronavirus when it came to people pulling out, people not wanting to be there, and the event kind of falling on its ass. And I admire, I can see why you'd want the E3 name to stick around and to hold some weight as like a digital thing, but... Um, I think they're going to struggle. I really do. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Like, so, I think the Games Fest, like, it could do with some polish. But yeah. But I think for me, they're a lot closer to where you want to be than um, an A3 again. Yeah. It, it has to have that. It has to be a physical place for you to go to. In my mind, before they talk about bringing it back, which in ex- effectively exactly the same form, but just making it digital, that seems like a strange move to yeah. me. And for what it's worth, 
like uh according to again some people who have uh friends in high places let's say uh, apparently one of the things that like people like Jeff Keighley and certain publishers did acknowledge about what didn't work last year was that it was too spread out and scattershot and that uh Jeff Keighley for example I believe has said that Summer Games Fest will last one month this year oh oh they well there you go well, he's, they, they've which, nailed again, it. it's if taken they, them one year if that but if that if that's out. accurate and don't, but don't get me wrong there's still a lot that comes into that like do, will will Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, Ubisoft, EA, and so, and whoever else wants to get a live stream? Will they it, will they all sit down and be like, yes, we're going to do it in June, and or yes, we're going to do it in July? I don't know, but the Can closer we, say the one closer month we get, plus or minus two weeks, so sure, they're allowed yeah, exactly, sure. two weeks after, two weeks before, because if they did that, that would effectively be two months, yeah, and I think that would be. But if you had like one show two weeks before, then you had nothing for a week, then you had two things, then you had games right, first exactly. for a month and then you petered out at the end i, I think that would be fine um yeah the closer but, we get to this all like feeling like nothing's gonna feel like e3 week ever again um in my no. opinion but the closer we get to something like that I, i'm happier but i just don't think the esa has the right outlook for it i don't I, game yeah. game changer the esa do a deal with Fortnite. And there is a physical E3 in Fortnite oh that you can go in and walk around you're and just play bringing, games. You're just bringing back the metaverse discussion. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm hoping it comes. I'm hoping I mean, if, the, if, uh, if Epic ended up doing some crazy thing where like, you could immediately load from Fortnite into any other game that runs in Unreal Engine and were able to get actual demos <laughs> for games in Fortnite that you could just jump into. Then maybe we're talking. Maybe we're talking. You're in Fortnite, waiting behind a booth for someone else to finish playing, so that you can go and play. Yeah. Ironically, Epic did do a live stream last summer. Do you remember? They were one of the first ones in maybe May June. They did the Unreal Engine Five showcase. Um, oh yes, which was one of yeah. the first things we ever saw running in real time on a PlayStation Five. Mm. Uh, so Epic. Uh, funny you mentioned them. They are a, a company who last year were willing to do their own stream in and around that time frame. I wonder. If they'll do so again this year, but it's it's interesting to see how it all turns out. Um, I like to game fest. I'm 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 on board for a bit more Jeff Keighley game fest this year, and hopefully, yeah, like you said, if they're going to do it more over a month, a bit more reasonable. Then you th- you then get into a weird position where because what if some people do agree to do E3 but loads don't, and then E3 happens in the middle of game fest, that might get a bit weird. Yeah, that that I think I think there's a chance that that happens. I honestly do. I think there's a chance that happens. I think the ESA still holds some weight. I think some people will still be up for this all-digital E3 thing. Then you get into this weird stuff of, okay, like, Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest, at its worst, was almost like a glorified calendar. So does he put E3 in the Summer Games Fest? (laughs) And, like... That's that's a good question. I don't know. That gets so weird if it... It, we, We could really get amongst the weeds. And, hey, like, this is what happens, right? Like... The coronavirus threw a lot of things up in the air. Publishers are now realizing there are better, but whether regardless of better, certainly cheaper alternatives to you know centralizing everything around LA in one week in the middle of June. Um, this is going to keep developing, and I, I don't know if we're going to get closer towards something that resembles E3 or further away from it as the years roll by, but we'll find out. Um, although I, I feel like at this stage, I might be wrong, but... It feels like Jeff Keighley swooped in there last year because there was some unclaimed territory in the gap that the ESA left behind. And now it feels like they're coming back in to try and retake their own territory 
And I don't think Jeff Keighley's going to give up without a fight. And the, val the value that Jeff Keighley brings to the table is that, hey, you don't have to pay Jeff Keighley any money. You don't have to change your plans. You don't have to change when you're going to stream or what you're going to show. He's just going to create this platform where he says, hey, check out the Summer Games Fest where all these things are happening within it. Whereas the ESA are a little bit like, hey, give us some money and we'll tell you when you're going live. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's the option. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. But, um, oh, Jane, we've definitely got time for one more story. We do have this time, is, regrettably. Um... I was hoping that we'd have hit like, the <laughs> fucking three-hour mark by this point so I could look you in the eye and say, Jonesy, we're not talking about it. But here we are, an hour and a half in, and with plenty <laughs> we need... of time to go. <laughs> look behind the curtain. Sometimes, um, if we think it's a slow news uh, week, we have a few random extra stories that we put at the end that we usually don't get to. But we have got one to one today that I said to Jamie, should we talk about? And he was like, oh, maybe not. But in it, that is the fact that this is, this is, okay, this isn't gaming, but I feel like because of the news about Pedro Pascal, who is the Mandalorian. No, that's, but don't try and tie it back into that. This is completely, you would have asked to speak about this regardless of any Last of Us 2 shit. So, um, ex MMA fighter Gina Carano has been fired from, um, well, not fired. She's been dropped um, for future projects, I guess, because uh, I she guess is no were... longer employed. She's no longer. Em Let's go with that. She's no longer employed um, to work on Star Wars projects. So she obviously was in The Mandalorian season one, season two, and she was also going to be in an upcoming uh, uh, Star Wars um, vehicle. I can't. I'm not sure what it was. Um, Rogue something. But she's been dropped from that as well. Not only that, she's also been dropped by her own representation for. Um, uh, and I quote, abhorrent tweets um, or posts, abhorrent posts, something like, effectively, if you haven't been following this, um, she has been in the centre of a bit of a row for a while on social media because she take she was taking it on herself to post some, let's call them fringe opinions and memes and things uh, and like tweets and Instagram posts that some people found pretty problematic um and so the hashtag started trending which was fire gina carano um then because that was happening you of course had to have the reaction which was um the people who want to keep gina carano who i think they were then tweeting hashtag we love gina carano so you've had this this battle always, now always for a couple of months um effectively trying to okay. fire her or or not fire her. Can I, I say I was saying always not like we always love Gina Carano, but always is in like oh there's always another group who try and reverse the hashtag. I wasn't I don't have an opinion on. <laughs> My favorite is when the group trying to reverse the ha reverse the hashtag is like five people. <laughs> well yeah, that's all it takes. You know, Jonesy, a revolution can start with five people. You know. Uh, there's there's gonna be, there's gonna be some expression, isn't there? Like a big explosion starts with a small. I don't know. A small, <laughs> a spark, a small. It only takes one fart before you shit yourself. That is that that is the truth. It takes one one fart. But it seems like so. And the only reason I was want to talk about this was because this is the sort of thing that I hear about, and then I'm like, I've been a Gina Carano fan for quite a while, um, way before Mandalorian. I don't really like Mandalorian. I find it kind of dull. Um, but 
let me keep it real. Back when she was fighting MMA, I thought she was pretty fit. <laughs> and, yeah, and you know, and you're like, you've got these, and when you've got like an attractive fighter who's kicking people's asses, you're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Let's let's watch a bit of this. She then went off to be an actress and she was in a few sort of like random action films, um, which I've always been a fan of. If you want to get people kicking people's asses in films, it always seems to work better when they can actually kick people's asses. Um, oh, yeah. Just because it looks like they know what they're doing. This is why you often get martial artists being martial artist films. Um, and you've got Gina Carano and also Ronda Rousey, who's been in a couple of movies, um, at kicking people's asses. And it just works better, right? More often she, than not. I, I don't know how many good movies Ronda Rousey's been in. but Well, the, the, the acting, and this is something that you could talk about with Gina Carano as well, the acting often sometimes suffers. Um, yeah. She was also in Deadpool 1. Um, I can't remember who she was in Deadpool One. She was. She was some... one of the one of the villains. Uh, like she's, I can't remember her name. Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't remember her name, but uh, she's like the uh, she's the right hand lady to the uh, English doctor, uh, who's kind yeah. of like the evil guy who was experimenting on Deadpool. And she's in the big fight at the end. Uh, I think yes. she's. I think she's very strong. I don't know what I, other I, abilities she has. I the na- my favorite character, a named character in. The Deadpool movies has got to be is it uh, Megasonic teenage Megasonic teenage Warhead, is it that That's, the girl? Yeah, the girl's called something like that. I don't really remember. That is a cool last name. Um, Megasonic teenage Warhead. There you go. I I, uh, I digress. That is not Gina Carano. So let me. I'm going to find out what her name is in Deadpool. Okay. Um, but yeah, she. So effectively, I've been looking this up, and this is what I thought would go into it, just in case people missed any of this. Effectively, what happened was she's been uh, tweeting and posting on Instagram and social media. Do you know, I'm going to say nothing that bad. The problem is she's just been doing it quite a bit. It seems, um, from what I can tell. So the most recent thing she did, which was like the which people are saying is the most egregious, which. Is it's a, to my mind, it is not anti-Semitic, but it is very butthurt. Which effectively is she's saying that Republicans. Um, she tweeted out a thing, uh, a story, which was saying that um, the way that uh, Jews were rounded up in the Holocaust was not by Nazis, but by their neighbours, because their neighbour, because they were made to believe that the Jews were evil. And so the neighbours would sort of say, they live, they live here, they live here. And they, then they, their own neighbours would um, give them to the Nazis, effectively. And I think what she was trying to say was that that is what's happening with Republicans in the US. Now, to try and say that you are in that sort of situation as a Republican in the US is probably one of the most insane things I think I've ever heard. I don't live in the US. Maybe it's a lot worse than the news would have you believe. But that, is, that seems like a terrible idea to try and say that that is how you feel as a Republican in America. Like, that, yeah, I mean, you, there are loads of high-profile Republicans. There are a lot of conservative media. There's a lot of conservative talk show. There are loads of YouTubers who are like that. I wouldn't say they're being rounded up just yet and forced into camp somehow. It's not, on a, it's not comparable. But anyway, that was the most recent thing she did, um, which seems was the nail in the coffin. Um, before that, I think she's taken the piss out of people wearing masks. Um, I think she's liked some sort of conspiracy theory stuff around covid um and one of the things i think that got her flagged initially um there's some transphobic stuff in there well so i tried to find that but the only the transphobic thing i could find because there was that was um and i I give her her i'll give her her credit and say not a credit like her dues and say i'll take what she said as as the reality of what happened with the situation just i think that's only fair she basically said that she was getting um, harassed for three months 
by people saying that she didn't have her pronouns in her bio um and that because she didn't have her pronouns in her bio that that was transphobic and after three months of being called names and people being horror to her horrible to her she put her pronouns as beep bop and boop and then people then said well then that's transphobic because you're taking the piss out of people who are trans and put their pronouns and stuff in in their bio so that was kind of the thing that got her i think on the edge of the precipice if you like to getting fired and but she's kept doing slightly dodgy things between now and then yeah but my take on this was at the end of the day whether or not she was actually being anti-semitic whether or not she was actually being transphobic because you could read it that she wasn't actually being that bad and she was doing stuff nowhere near as bad as what people do every day on twitter she still works for a company like Disney, which is a family company, and the smart move on their on their behalf is to fire her. Mm. You don't want negative PR around one of your stars in your, you know, one of your biggest TV shows that you've got on your platform that you're trying to get people to sign up to. It makes no sense. Yeah. You've got to let her go. No, I, yeah, absolutely, you have to, um, and that's why. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm really pussyfooting around this whole thing. If you can, if you can't tell, because it, uh, it does feel like a bit of a. A minefield in some respects where like it is, am, it is a minefield. But because the other thing is I am not well read on this issue. I'm not versed in this issue Me either. at all. I, I don't looked know, it up this morning. I don't know I don't know what she said. I don't know what she's liked. I don't know what she's retweeted. I don't know you know, the words that have come out of her mouth, the words that she, out of other people's mouths that she supported. I woke up this morning to about thirty WhatsApp messages. Um and, <laughs> well, we were chatting about and I skim read it and I, she was accused of being a lot of different things and I feel uh I don't feel uh, well informed enough to to make a statement, uh, to make a comment. I should say, not a statement. Fucking hell, like I'm a fucking representative. <laughs> I'm a I'm her agent. Um, to make a comment, uh, other than, other than to say, like the thing that the thing that you have mentioned that you did mention about um, trying to in some way suggest that the the, the plight of Republicans in American in America was some way comparable to. Uh, the Jews in the Holocaust is a de- is a deplorable uh, and disgusting comparison to make, and uh, if that's representative of the other things she is liking or posting or sharing on social media, then yeah, like, see, I I would I go less than that. I'd say it was really stupid, but and I have a I, thing I, about I, this. I, 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 because I think in I, order I, to I be think like... I think that goes beyond stupidity. I really think that goes beyond stupidity. When it's the fucking Holocaust, it goes beyond stupidity. But then there, it's gotten weird, isn't it, with um, social media in general? In the last like few years, it seems like everyone—I can't remember who, what the rule is online—but uh, like Trump was called Hitler for a long time, and you're like, I don't think he was quite as bad as Hitler. He was—he, you know, he's not a, not a great guy, but I think you've got a little bit of a way to go. Um, and then you often have people online called Nazis and. Um, obviously famously fascists because of like antifa and stuff like that so the terms like this are thrown around a hell of a lot but then to then say that you to or to put because let's be honest right she's putting us if she's saying i'm a conservative i'm a republican and i'm i feel like these people must have felt you don't know what those people must have felt like you're being very very stupid Mm. um but yeah i I think it's not surprising at all that that she's been let go um yeah i there must be more that she's shared. The only thing I was referencing there are the um, the comments that have been flagged up by a number of news sites that, she, that the people have said, this is why she's been fired is because of these tweets and these things. And when you read them all, I think, they're, I think they don't go anywhere near as far as people would have you believe. 
do they go far enough for her to lose her job? Yeah, they go far enough for her to lose her job because, as we said, she's not like a social commentator. She's not a talk show host who's trying to bring people in and have like over the top views. She's an actress. And I think we even said before this, like, is it a surprise that someone who used to play Punchy Face mm. um, and that was her career is uh, not the most informed person or is like from a maybe a background which would make more likely be like a conservative one. I'm not surprised by that. That would fit with stereotypes that I would have. Like you've got to imagine that she, maybe she didn't come from the most sort of privileged of backgrounds and that. And people sometimes maybe. tend to be quite conservative if they're from, yeah. Sometimes and they're really a, not as well. But. And uh, there, there would be nothing wrong with, if it was simple as her holding certain political views, for example, being uh, the supporter of Donald Trump or the Republican party then so what? If like, she just said that, yeah, but she's like, can't, it's surprising that they let her go so off the rails. You've got to think that her representation have said, please, for the love of God, stop. Like, Well, like, yeah, because it's common sense, right? Like if, if someone, as you said, is in a roundabout way employed by Disney and you went to look at their social media presence and again, I haven't seen this firsthand. I don't know what she was actually doing. I don't know what she said. I don't know what she's, ideas she's promoted or things she has liked and retweeted and so on and so forth. But if you went on her Twitter page and saw any semblance of sort of joking about people who wear masks or uh, uh, jokey pronouns in her bio, you would take one look at that and be like, hey, maybe maybe don't, maybe don't, someone in your position don't do that. Yeah. Like, and, if, and if you, hey, you give if, them a if, chance. If you're going to spin out of this, create a patron and start being a YouTuber, more power to you. You're on the right track. You know, that's you'll, be on, be you'll, be on, you'll be on a Stephen Crowder video by the end of the week. Like, <laughs> keep on cracking that whip. But you work for Disney and you're an actress. Like, there's levels. Come on, there are levels. Like, be be a little bit more sensible. Also, there's I, th- I think I said this to you as well before the pod that in my mind as well, like the the mask stuff and the the kind of pushing some of those conspiracy theories. For me, that's enough. Like, that's yeah. dangerous in some respects. Um, if people aren't being sensible and stuff and if you've got people i think in the um all over the world who are like refusing vaccinations and things because they are convinced it's conspiracy theory but yeah come on actors and actresses you're not social commentators maybe keep it to the acting especially if it's gonna uh yeah 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 yeah, you have to like people like people people who are like a a lot less prominent and and uh, whose careers leave them a lot in the limelight a lot less often than actors on you know premium disney plus shows lose their jobs because of the uh the things they do or say or share or like on social media so you know why did you think you'd be any different it has like it's got to be rough to be not you can't be a normal person you can't do but that's the price you pay right that, but that, no, but that happens to whatever. regular people now. Like we know that when we apply for jobs, that there's parts of job the hiring processes now involve looking people's social media presences up and going through their their photos or their state, like whatever. Like that's being judged. Oh, don't say thing. that. That happens. That Does 100%. it really happen? I swear, I I swear on that. my life. I don't. I'm not. It's not going to happen to every job you go for. But like, like I, I, I'll, it, it, I'll tell you a story afterwards. I'll tell you a story afterwards. <laughs> Okay. God forbid they ever looked at my uh, no, no, my no, social no, no, media no, no, and stuff. I can, that I can, I've, I can tell you a, sto- I can tell you a story so. afterwards that might surprise you. And oh, okay. that's the net, that's the nature of the uh, with. Well, but for obviously for the people like at home, I can't, I can't tell the story. But let's, let's just say like you don't have to be a, 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 an actress or an actor in the fucking Mandalorian to be held accountable for the things you have said or done or 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 
vouched for or whatever terminology you want to use on social media nowadays even regular people the like who you never thought would anyone would give two shits can and will be held accountable for that stuff increasingly as time goes forward and that's just the way the world is changing i've got a good rule even like even if you're not an actor or an actress or whatever don't be a dick try to not be a dick and you'll you might be all right yeah but there you go yeah that's a oh, good, well. good rule of thumb for life social <laughs> media be... real life you know, ask yourself the question is this me being a dick am i being a dick don't get me wrong i'd answer yes to that a lot of the time but and do it anyway but at least be so, at yeah. least know you're being it at least yeah, know. and be willing to carve a path out for yourself in life whether it's your career or you know social circles that you are the dick in those scenarios yeah. like if you're willing to be yeah. the dick then be the dick but if you don't lose your job as a result of being the dick then don't be the dick and if someone says, yeah, if someone says to you, hey, maybe think about not being the dick just for at the moment because it might jeopardize your career, go, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going to put the dick stuff on hold and I'll go back to being a dick when being a dick would no longer jeopardize my career. Nice. Um, okay, well, I think that should maybe be our, uh, our little uh, code word down below the YouTube video. You can put, don't be a dick. There you go. Don't That's be also because it's a good bit of advice. Good advice. If YouTube are uh, monitoring our comment section, they'd be like, wow, these guys are a healthy, progressive podcast. <laughs> they're, they're sharing encouraging views. They're telling people to don't be a dick. Yeah, absolutely. And after that little aside there of non-gaming related news, um, that brings us to the end once it again. Does. Thank you, Jamie, so much for joining me. Thank um, you for having me. Hopefully we'll have Chris back next week. Uh, if you watched us on YouTube or... Um, you could listen to us on a podcast platform before next week if you really wanted to, or vice versa if you're listening to us on a podcast platform. Why not check us out on YouTube and leave a comment down below this video saying, don't be a dick. And if you just can't wait to uh, interact with us a little bit more between now and next week, consider joining our Patreon. Um, for as little as $2, you can get on the Discord, um, where we regularly are chatting random stuff. You can hear Jamie rant all about PlayStation 5s and how much space he's got or I did, hasn't got. I did do that this week. I did do that. Um, but thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Thank you. Um, and we will see you next week. Bye. See ya.